Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and this is a podcast about video game news, speculation, reviews, and whatever else I feel like chatting about. This week, we'll be talking about Overwatch 2's turbulent launch, Xbox teasing new hardware, a new Starfield video, and much more. A few things before we get into the show. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like this video, and comment down below. A huge thanks to the supporter-level patrons PK, The Dawn, and Cage Nephilim. A special thanks to producer-level patron Hassan. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel. Okay, let's get into the gaming news. Overwatch 2 has launch issues. So um, last week, Overwatch 2 fully released. Uh, it had a beta, I want to say a month or two ago, that went really well. People seem to really enjoy it. Um, there has been kind of a lingering question on why it's a sequel when it seems like it's more of just like a kind of an update, but it's a sequel now. Uh, and unfortunately, even though it doesn't seem like it has changed that much, They've had some pretty major issues. Uh, the first major one being DDoS attacks on their servers that led to issues with people logging in for multiple days. Um, after that, a lot of people were having issues with uh, getting even logged onto the service at all after they found out that you had to use a phone number to confirm that you're a person because now that it's free to play, they're concerned about people making a bunch of accounts, getting banned, cheating, just making another account. So this phone system was to try to prevent that, but the phone system blocks uh, basically cheap prepaid plans. And the reason behind that is that um, if they use this phone system, but allow the prepaid plans, in theory, someone could just pay a couple bucks for a prepaid account and get around the cheating thing. So. Uh, that didn't go over well. And then there's just been a bunch of glitches and issues. For instance, there was an issue with one of the new heroes. So they tried to take that hero down and it ended up taking away half of the roster for a whole bunch of people who were playing, which was obviously an issue. And so, yeah, they've had lots of issues. Um, one little side note, that phone system is the same one that Modern Warfare 2 was expected to use. I suspect they're going to reconsider that. Um, so we have a few issues here. I mean, the, the DDoS attacks, you know, they can't do much about that. There's people who hate them. And so there's people who are going to try to rain on their parade. And that's just the way it is. That's just going to happen, right? So they can't do much about that other than try to beef up their security and their servers and just wait it out until those people get bored. The phone issue is interesting because it's a way to try to handle that issue that they're afraid of having when it comes to people, you know, use, uh, abusing the free to play system. The thing about it though, is that not everyone can afford a Verizon plan or like a monthly, like full price phone plan. 
and you're going to have a ton of people on prepaid or even younger players who, you know, their parents still pay for their accounts or something. And maybe they only do a prepaid account because that's the way they've decided to handle that situation. Well, that's going to be quite a problem for these people. And you're going to alienate a large part of the player base. Uh, and that sucks. And the same for Modern Warfare. They're, I bet, yeah, they're probably consider, reconsidering that situation. And then the glitches and stuff, I mean, that's to be expected from any new game. But when it's a game that doesn't seem like it's really changed that much, uh, and I'm sure it has more so than we realize, but still, um, it's just a bad look. Uh, people are already kind of down on the game a little bit saying that it doesn't seem like it really deserves to be a sequel. That said, the people I pay attention to who like Overwatch um, basically say that when you can get into a game, it's fantastic. It's wildly good. It feels good. The balance is good. There's a bunch of good stuff going on, and uh, there's kind of a general frustration that all of these other issues are clouding what should have been a big launch and something really exciting. Now, as a pushback on that, uh, if you're someone who spends a lot of time on gaming Twitter or whatever, you'll think that this is the worst game that's ever come out. Well, uh, today they released numbers that they've had 25 million players in the first week. So as a, a very stark reminder, uh, it's important to remember that no matter how much chatter is on Reddit or Twitter or YouTube or on Twitch or whatever, that that chatter probably only represents a really, really, really tiny percentage of the people actually playing the game. And in this particular case, you know, 25 million people, even if you have 100,000 people online dunking on your game, you've got 24,900,000 people playing the game other than them a majority of those people probably not paying attention to all the bull crap a lot of those people probably just being like i like overwatch i want to play this new one oh and this is kind of annoying but it's really fun and that's probably your average player so as i try to point out fairly often whenever you see these big controversies pop up and stuff like that uh you're you're very rarely seeing the voice of even a minuscule minority it's the average player just isn't that worried about it of any game and so you know i i don't think it's bad to get the take of the of the one percent of the loudest players of the most dedicated players whatever of the creators and so and so forth um but they probably don't represent the majority and that's very important to remember with all games and probably with most subjects in life so before we get too philosophical we will move on from there but overwatch 2 big issues big numbers so take uh take that as you will okay second story xbox teases a streaming console so phil spencer had a video this week uh commemorating the the anniversary of fallout um, it was its 25th anniversary since the first game, and uh, that was cool, but pretty uneventful. 
uh, but everyone had their little spy, spy glasses on. And every time basically any of these tech people do anything, everyone scours the videos because there's been so many instances at this point of teases and stuff in the background. And we got one this time, maybe. So a bunch of people spotted that in the background was a really tiny white box up on uh, Phil's shelf. Um, people initially thought it was like a Series S, but it was far too small to be that, and the, the shape and proportion wasn't right. And then people uh, looked back at some leaks and some stuff like that and realized it was probably a previously mentioned um, streaming box uh, that was supposedly in the works, but we haven't heard anything about it yet. And so uh, the Xbox account uh, kind of made like a joking post towards Phil saying, hey, we told you not to put those old prototypes in the background. But as far as I know, there haven't been any confirmations or any news um, that is official uh, since then. Uh, the idea is that this box is probably a Xbox streaming box that would probably be a hundred bucks or less, probably come with a controller. And basically you would connect it to your internet, you would connect it to your TV and it would use Xbox Game Pass. Uh, it would basically be hardware that would do the streaming for you. Um, there is some thought that there would probably be some hardware in it that could assist with the encoding and things like that. Um, so as to not put the entire load on the stream and on, um, uh, you know, and, and all of that. Um, so that the idea would be that this it obviously wouldn't be a full powered Xbox, but it would basically be just powerful enough to assist the encoder with the streaming and stuff like that. Um, and so, and I saw there was a lot of really positive reaction to something like that. There's a lot of conversation that I think is really important to have is that kind of what I just said about the criticism of games, you know, the, the loudest people in the gaming community who have the PS five and the series X or a $3,000 gaming computer, you know, those people really do really do represent a minority, a, a very small minority and there's a lot of people, sorry, I'm like yawning. So if, if I sound weird, that's why there's a lot of people who don't want to go spend five, 600 bucks on a system who don't want to go spend two or three grand on a PC. Um, so a lot of those people have turned to mobile gaming because you have a phone anyways. So you play games on there. There's some great games on mobile. And what I think a product like this does, those people don't care about latency those people aren't worried about having 4k graphics. And so what this box will provide is a really cheap entry point into the Xbox ecosystem where you can play basically games that aren't competitive. Well, as long as you have decent internet and you can even play competitive games, even though it may be a bit rough for you. Right. And what I think it is, is it's two things. It's one, a way to get people into your ecosystem. Uh, and, and, and giving you money. And two, I think it's a way to tease people into, Hey man, I really, this, this Xbox thing is great. The game pass is awesome. Uh, I'm going to get a series S and maybe they say, I, I like this so much. I want the best of the best. I'm going to get a series X and it's a, I just think it's a really smart move. It's not something I'm interested in at all. 
but I'm not the target. I'm the one who will buy the next Xbox and will upgrade my computer and things like that, where, you know, that part of the market is pretty satisfied at this point when it comes to bringing people back um, from mobile who were maybe console gamers before or younger people who have never had a console. I think this thing's going to be a great entry point. If it's like a hundred bucks and comes with like three months of game pass and a controller, it's going to be perfect. I think it's going to be a very, very good thing for Xbox and it's going to be a huge boost to game pass and probably hardware sales down the line. Okay, the third story uh, is an Xbox-related story. We had Todd Howard um, doing a, a, a little in-house interview about Starfield. The basis of this seemed to be about the like conversation systems and the story and stuff like that. And the big takeaway uh, note was that uh, I believe they said that they have about a quarter million lines of dialogue um, to compare previous similar titles both um, under there under Bethesda and other games tend to have around like a hundred thousand lines so they've obviously gone big one way or the other with this game we still don't have a launch date you know it was delayed earlier this year it was supposed to come out here in less than a month uh, and now it's not so we still don't know when that's happening um, my hype for this game is so high and it's because Bethesda games will come out in, in, in a rough condition, but they will also provide an experience that no other developer has figured out yet. And this, you know, the, the last game they had was, you know, it was Fallout 76, I guess, but that's kind of an offshoot, but it was Fallout 4. And a lot of people pan Fallout 4 for a lot of reasons. I like Fallout 4. I don't like it as much as New Vegas or 3, but I like 4. And, you know, that was considered a low point for them. You know, these Fallout games, these Bethesda games, they just do something different and they have a different feel and the way that they do these branching narratives, the way that at any moment you never know what you're going to run into, um, whether it's on purpose or not. And it's just, it's really cool. And I'm so excited about this game. I mean, it's a game I'm hoping will basically last me until the next Mass Effect comes out, which I don't expect for two or three years. Um, obviously, there's lots of games that will be coming out between now and then. But if if I play Starfield the way I played Fallout 3, New Vegas, and Fallout 4, I'm probably going to be playing this for years. And that's really exciting because, especially for me, if you listen to the podcast, you know, in the last year and a half, I got really into Mass Effect you'll know like like this is basically taking that fallout feel and putting it into a grounded sci-fi space game you know what could be better right so um one big thing they talked about as well was how they are doing um they're going back to their old school um uh, conversation ui or style where in fallout 4 they kind of dabbled with like the third person uh, kind of cinematic angles and having um, a voice protagonist. I believe there is no voice protagonist now, and it will be that that first person view in all of the conversations now. 
um, that's pretty iconic. Um, I've seen some people kind of give it crap and, you know, in some of the videos they've shown, I think the facial capture actually looks pretty good. Um, but the old games looked really bad. The animations, um, that I think what they've shown looks good, not like industry leading, like the last of us two or something, but I think it looks very satisfying and I appreciate them. I appreciate that they tested, they tried something new in four and realized that wasn't the way to go. And now they're going back to what's classic. And I think that's a great choice. And I think Starfield is the most anticipated game for me right now, other than mass effect, but that game's so far off. Uh, Starfield's the most excited I am for a game that we have like seen. <laughs> let's, let's, we'll put it there. Uh, as for another game that we've seen, Dead Space um, apparently gave uh, some hands-on time to a bunch of gaming journalists, um, and uh, there's, there were multiple videos and things like that I saw, and the overall verdict seems to be that this looks like a really, really good remake. Um, when I saw one uh, outlet, I believe it was GameSpot or Easy Allies, I think, said like, you know, compare the the last of us remake to this dead space remake like does dead space seem like it more like utilized that remake rather than just being an updated version of a game that's been remade before and the person who talked about it said that not only yes it does it seems like dead space is a more like that there's more of a point to remaking it but as well as i guess they've added a decent amount of new content um, they've added areas that you can go back to. Um, I, I guess there's more stuff to do. So not only is it the spirit of the original game that came out, because you can't change that too much because people who played the game before, they want it to still feel familiar. They just don't you know, want it to be exactly the same, but it can't be too different. It's a really, really tough line for them to not cross. Um, but they also said that there's a lot of opportunities to go back to areas you've already been and, and do new stuff and collect new resources and stuff like that, which wasn't the case in the original game. So um, this Dead Space remake looks so good. I'm super excited about it. I think it's in January that it's coming out of 2023. Um, I, I, there's been a lot of chatter about how the Callisto Protocol is coming out, too. Um, I'll be honest, I, I've said it before, but the more of the Callisto Protocol I've seen, the less excited I am. It's starting to look like really generic, and I'm not super confident it's going to be like this big AAA game like a lot of people seem to be expecting it to be. Um, I'm sure it'll still be good, but I don't think it's going to be as good as it is expected to be, and I think Dead Space will be. And then the last story here uh, on things not being as good as they were expected to be. Uh, the NVIDIA RTX 4090 reviews have dropped and uh, we're, we're hearing about this. So the overall consensus is basically that this 4090 is wildly powerful, like beyond even most expectations. Um, but it's, it's really expensive <laughs> at 15, $1,600 at least. Uh, I'm sure it'll be marked up a little bit by some of the manufacturers. Um, it's one of those things where it's it's so good that it's like potentially not even necessary yet for most setups. 
Um, as for myself, I've always been pretty proud of always being on the leading edge of the last gen when it comes to PCs. So my goal right now is to get like a really nice, like to get like a 5800X or something, uh, AMD Ryzen 7 processor, to get a like a 3090 at some point, uh, to maybe, you know, have like some, some nicer RAM or something like that. Uh, of like DDR4. Uh, and so while all these people are buying a $1,600 4090 and, you know, these four or $500 new processors uh, with new motherboards and DDR5 RAM and all that, I I'll, I'll be on that game in like five years. Um, I, I think that, especially with the way gaming is now, the fact that there's still people gaming on like 10, like, like 1080s and stuff like that uh, and, and, and being fine. Um, PCs have long legs, um, and like my PC right now, I have a 3700X, a 3060 Ti, 32 gigs of RAM, and two M.2 NVMe SSDs, uh, totaling two terabytes. My PC's fine. Um, I could upgrade the GPU, I could upgrade the CPU, and probably be good for another like five years, and I'm okay with that. I think that's how you should be, because not everyone can spend $5,000 on a new PC, um, and, and I think that's cool. I think people should embrace that. So I'm glad this 4090 seems like it's super duper good. Um, uh, an interesting story that popped up today, though, is that they were releasing the, the 4090 and then two versions of the 40 of the 4080. And what was interesting is one was, I think, 16 gigs of RAM and the other was 12, I believe. And they announced today they are delisting or they are like unreleasing the 12 gig um, basically due to a ton of backlash where people were being like, that's a, that's a 4070. Like you guys obviously designed that card to be the 4070 and then the 16 gig to be the 4080 um, and then the, the, the big beefy boy to be the 4090. Um, and so it seems like they've kind of wilted to that accusation and i bet we see 4070s coming out soon and so the the reason they would do that if you don't if you haven't been paying attention to the story is that they apparently have a ton of stock of 3060s and 3070s from the last gen of of gpus and so there's this thought that they were going to try to sneak out this 12 this 12 gig card as a 4080 so people would be more enticed to buy it because if they release the 4070 and there's still a ton of 3070s they're afraid that those 3070s will go unpurchased and that they'll um, all go for the 4070s uh, and then leave them with a bunch of product they can't move and they'll have to discount it and you know, people like me will sneak in there and, and get a nice card for cheap and they don't want that they want to make their money so kind of an interesting story i've never heard of hardware being like delisted like that um it's simply because it was probably just bad pr so i bet a bunch of 4070s are sitting on a crate while they wait for these 3070s to sell so be uh, be on the lookout for that 4070 announcement in like six months probably Okay, um, so just a quick reminder that if you're enjoying this podcast or any of my other content, please consider supporting on patreon.com slash bondiesel or over at twitch.tv slash bondiesel. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free subscription that you can use over there and have a bunch of my super cool emotes as well as some other bonuses. Okay, let's get into the division part of the show. 
um, the the new Massive podcast. So Massive, uh, Ubisoft Massive, the studio, has a podcast that's typically done by Petter. Um, he's a, a former The Division Two community person, uh, and he is fantastic. He, I've met him twice, I believe. Um, very, very, very good person, uh, very funny guy, and um, he hasn't been on The Division for quite a while um, because he's been doing this kind of stuff, and he is so good at it. So um, he did a podcast with Pele Hofstein, and so um, if you're in The Division community, you probably know who Pele is. Uh, he's a very outspoken and very blunt uh, developer, I believe he's the head of the art design of the game. Uh, you see him talking a lot about the cosmetics and stuff like that. He's the one in charge of that. So um, uh, I really appreciate his candor and stuff like that uh, uh, on social media and, and other places. Uh, and, and to see them uh, do an interview with him where he can like speak himself uh it was cool i've only seen some of the interview but what i saw so far was great so i highly suggest you check out the ubisoft massive youtube uh or their uh if you check out their uh, twitter account they have a link to the actual podcast so i suggest checking that out um i really 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 think gamers who don't want to be one of those randos in the comments just spewing up bull crap if, if you want to be an enlightened gamer um, i highly suggest that you seek out as many interviews with devs and stuff like that as you can because the more people understand how their games are made and the more they recognize that there's human beings behind the games that they play and that they enjoy or that they enjoy complaining about um the, the, the better fans I think people can be. Um, when you humanize the developers, I really think you start to be a little more forgiving, especially over the last couple years. Um, and you start to be just more reasonable. Even if you're mad, even if you're upset or disappointed, you hopefully behave differently when you understand that there's real people behind uh, these these products. So please go check that out. The other, the division news that we got was that uh, there's an SHD Paragon apparel event starting on the 18th. This one's interesting. Um, it seems to be like the specialization, um, it's like specialization focused uh, apparel, like the, the sniper and the grenade launcher and all that. Um, but they're separate pieces. So they, they've done this before where they've had specialization outfits, but they're like, um, entire outfits when you wear them you can only wear them and uh, I, I don't think they're very popular and so this is a little different I, I hate to be the curmudgeon um, I'm still not super sold on the outfits I've seen what they've shown us um, the one art bit that they showed um, in, in the kind of announcement of this I hope was concept art because if it was the actual models they the like there's like a a belt of bullets around the character's waist and all the bullets are like bent and they just look terrible. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious to what the actual event will look like when it comes out. I know a lot of people really enjoy this stuff. I'm kind of burned out. I don't really care about the apparel at this point. My character, I have like three outfits on my character I can pick from. They all look good to me and I'm not counting on anything replacing those anytime soon. Uh, but that comes on the 18th. Uh, and then 
sooner than later, we'll have that third target. Um, and then a few weeks after that, we'll have the fourth target and the main target to kind of wrap this season up. So far, the story of the Division 2 of this manhunt, if you haven't played it yet, is really interesting. I think it's really cool. Um, they reintroduced a character from a side mission in the main game uh, who seems that they're going to play a part in this season, uh, in this manhunt. And I think that'll be really interesting. So I'm excited to see more. Okay, and then for the Mass Effect part of the show, um, I did a video this week. I actually did two, but the one I want to talk about is a revelation about Andromeda. If you've heard me talk about Mass Effect, I have this kind of big theory that the next game um, is going to um, connect Mass Effect Andromeda, which is kind of like a spinoff game, um, to the original trilogy. And one prediction I've had about that is that they are going to take the the initiative um who is the organization that um, basically set up this mission built the ships and everything to go to the andromeda galaxy to try to escape the trilogies and uh antagonist uh, i figured maybe in the next game we would be trying to learn more about this initiative this this organization uh and because i always just assumed that they built these ships like hidden away into the deepest parts of the galaxy so that no one would know what they were doing. Um, and then I started playing Andromeda again this week. And in the opening cinematic, they show that all of the ships appear like they were at least um, uh, staged and possibly built like by the moon near Earth. <laughs> so my issue with this, and I go into more detail in my video that's over at youtube.com slash Diesel. Um, the, the issue I have with this is that uh, that, that means there was... Uh, so if you don't know, so there's Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. The Andromeda Initiative, the Andromeda Mission, launched during uh, Mass Effect 2. So that means that by the end of Mass Effect 2, or, or the entirety of Mass Effect 3, we should have heard something about this mission going to Andromeda. Um, there, there should have been at least a single note... Uh, about it uh, from the characters there should have been anything uh, and there wasn't and I never realized until now many years later how huge of a problem that is um, if they for any game they make now because they're gonna have to do some some probably retconning to be like well yeah everyone knew it was happening it was by the earth <laughs> because it's never mentioned uh, during Mass Effect 2 or 3 and it should be. And what's frustrating is they did the Legendary Edition of 1, 2, and 3. And I'm not a game dev. And, and, and I will always assume things are more complicated than they are. But they could have at least, um, during Mass Effect, especially 1, 2, and 3, when you're in populated areas, there's always like news stories in the background. Like there's like a, like a, like a news station playing over the radio in places that you are. They, they could have recorded audio and stuck it into that loop of it just being like, uh, and on today's news, uh, we've learned more about the Andromeda initiative that, uh, you know, with, you know, supposed threats of the Reaper invasion, uh, put forth by commander Shepard of the Alliance Navy, uh, the Andromeda initiative is planning on leaving the galaxy with a blah, blah, blah. They could have done that and i really personally believe that would have gone a long way to kind of easing us into whatever they do next 
but I'll throw my hands up and not worry too much about it. Uh, if you want to see my more extended thoughts on that, go to my YouTube and check out that video. Um, it's quite a rant. The other Mass Effect uh, bit here, um, there wasn't really news this week about Mass Effect. I, I saw nothing about hiring. There were no big posts or teases or anything like that. So um, the other thing is that this week I finished my Femship playthrough. Um, so I had played through the game eight or nine times as, as M Shep. Um, I am just the type that if I have a choice, uh, on the, on the gender, um, of, of a character, I tend to always play a guy. It's just the, it's the old crotchety man I am, I guess. Um, but I've heard people for multiple years, but especially over the last year, really, really talk up Fem Shep, but even a buddy at work who loves the series really said like, Hey, you need to at least play once as her. And I'm going to be straight up. I hated it. I did not like it. I um, have an immense amount of respect for Jennifer Hale. Um, she's obviously, you know, insane. Like, this, she is so well known, not just for Mass Effect, but she's had tons of iconic roles. Like, just this in the last week, she was announced that she's going to be the voice of Bayonetta in Bayonetta 3. Like, that's a big deal. Um, but she's been in countless games um almost any game that you play like especially triple a she's probably at least a voice in those games so so after i praise her a ton i just really 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 don't like her performance in the mass effect trilogy and i'm the one who's wrong like i am acknowledging this right now i know i'm wrong because there's too many other people who love it for me to be on to something it's just a personal preference the way I've explained it and the way I've thought about it is that Mark Mir is very dry in the first game, which I think kind of fits. He's like an old military guy who's been through a lot and he's not really supposed to be the most like intro like charismatic human on earth necessarily or in space. <laughs> um, and and then in two and three, I think he gets a lot more expressive. I, I think Mark Mir was a much less experienced voice actor um, during the re during the making of the trilogy. Uh, he's obviously done a lot since then. He's much more experienced at this point. Um, but I, I almost feel like his drier line delivery and stuff that gets pretty good in two and three. It's just more believable. Um, the, the two main issues I have with the Femship um, playthrough I did was uh, I don't like to customize the characters, especially in Mass Effect. I really feel like M. Shep is like the canon M. Shep. Like, I think that's what he, he's supposed to look like that model, the Vanderloo guy. I, I just I think that's I think the, I think Shepard is Bioware's character that we get to play with, but that they have their own idea of their like canon route that Shepard goes. And when it comes to Fem Shep, I had to change her character model because that character model, the default Fem Shep, looks like an anime character. I don't it's so weird because the, the M Shep is the scan of Mark Vanderloo. And it looks like he looks like a person. And they must not have done that with the Fem Shep model. They must have used the endgame tools to make her because I would argue she looks bad. She has this really weird looking red hair the hairstyle obviously for unreal engine 3 that they were fairly limited with with how good hair could look and stuff i just didn't care for it and then her line delivery is really interesting because because she is so accomplished and she is so talented 
much of her line delivery is to me like very um like tv drama delivery like it, it was like very exasperated and very like like very just over the top maybe um and i just couldn't get into it i just didn't like it um and, and this probably goes down to I've played the Zimshep so much. That's just why I prefer. I tend to prefer to play as the male um, select character anyways. Um, I don't know. It, it was just my personal preference. So I'm glad I did it. Um, I did it as a full, like 100% playthrough. Um, I 100% Mass Effect 1, which is a lot of work. Uh, I did with 2 as well. With 3, I skipped the Leviathan DLC because I was just kind of done. I just wanted to get it over with. And I had enough um, uh, military strength for Shep to live and do the destroy ending. And so that's what I did. So I'm going to save that playthrough because, you know, fingers crossed, the next game allows us to keep our Mass Effect save from the trilogy and, and, and let it affect the next game somehow. I want to have that option there. And I do. And I have like a really good playthrough. Um, but it just wasn't my preference. And I'm going to be totally honest. I will probably never play that again. It just was not my deal. So, you know, feel free to light me up if you're on YouTube in the comments. Uh, or if you want to come to my Discord and tell me I suck, that's fine. Okay, so that's it for the news and the Mass Effect and the Division parts of the show. Um, so for listener questions, um, uh, just know that if you have any uh, gaming news stories, topics, or questions you want me to talk about during the next podcast, uh, go to the Discord and you can ask them in the questions or topics room. Uh, the two, uh, two people asked questions this week. The first one was MAD8. Uh, and this, uh, the first question was any first impressions with the first descendant. So if you don't know what the first descendant is, it's a very, um, it looks a little divisiony, um, but, uh, kind of like Warframe and the, the division and like outriders all put together. Um, I've only seen some trailers. It looks great. It looks really cool. Um, I, I have been pretty vocal about how I've realized that my fandom of the division is in spite of it being a looter shooter and not because it is a looter shooter. So every time I see these kind of games come up, I'm always a little suspect and how much I'm really going to be into them because I don't really think I like looters that much. I just happen to like the division a lot. Um, and so I'll always be a little skeptical. Um, Outriders has made me really skeptical of the genre because I just hated that game so much. And a lot of people loved it um, in, in, the, in the communities I run in. So again, it turned into one of those things where it's like, I know I'm the one who's wrong here, but you know, I'm gonna stick to my guns. So it looks interesting. I definitely wanna try it out and I wanna pay attention to what happens with it. But I, we'll see if the first Descendant is a game I get really, really into. Uh, the second question from M88 was, do you think Cyberpunk 2077 redeemed itself? I think that it has gotten back to a point and the next DLC will probably help as well uh, to a point of neutrality. Um, I've seen a lot of comparisons to like No Man's Sky and stuff like that. And that bothers me. No Man's Sky came out as a game from like a much smaller developer um, that was in pretty bad shape. But what No Man's Sky did was without ever charging another penny, this is a big deal because they've released like 15 huge updates that could have all been DLC. 
like $5 DLC at least. And they didn't do that, which is amazing. No Man's Sky got the game back to a neutral point by, by bringing everything into it that they initially promised. And then they've gone like five times beyond that. Um, I mean, it's just, it's such a cool game and, and, and it's so much more than even like, like they said a bunch of stuff that didn't happen when No Man's Sky came out and then they fixed that. They, they, they did all the things they said, and now they've just done like five or 10 times more without charging a penny. They must've made so much money on that game when it first came out. And then every time they release a patch, I believe it climbs to the top of the steam charts and stuff. So they're, they're making money. Um, but they've also been very, I think generous with their DLC. So I, I think no man's sky is an example of a game that came out bad, got neutral and then has become amazing where I think cyberpunk came out bad and has hit neutral and maybe this new DLC puts them a hair over the top but it's gonna cost money i think uh, it might be free i could be wrong um but i don't I, I think it's redeemed itself in the sense of it still isn't the grand experience i think that they promised and that they alluded to but i think that they've put out a decent game that is worth 60 bucks now um and hopefully you can get it cheaper but if you like, if I have to compare it to like No Man's Sky to Cyberpunk, I think No Man's Sky may never be matched again for the way that they made up for their mistake. Um, where I think Cyberpunk is doing what they need to do, if that makes sense. So, good questions. Thank you very much, MAD8. Uh, Master Prime had the other question here and says, um, Are people putting content creators on too high of a pedestal just to get angry when they make a mistake? I mean, I think that's kind of a thing people do in general. So like in the gaming space, whether it's a upcoming, uh, upcoming game that people are hyping up a, a lot, or if there's a, um, like a YouTuber or a streamer that they really like that plays the games they like, um, you know, you just tend to put these people on a pedestal and then when they screw up, when the game comes out, it's not very good. When the content creator does something terrible, um, there's always this like, oh my goodness, like, like, oh, Pikachu face. Like, I can't believe they're not perfect. Um, and with games, it's one thing. Because at this point, we should just expect games to not be perfect, I think. That's where I'm at. If you still want to have an ideal of games being perfect, then good on you. That's not my deal. Um, but people especially. I mean, basically every athlete I've ever loved, almost every artist I've loved, like band, um, has eventually come out and turned out to be kind of a piece of crap, right? And so I, I, I think that we as humans have a tendency to do this, to put things on pedestals and then get like extra upset when reality sets in. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think people do that, um, but I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. I just think people need to be more skeptical of, 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 people or maybe just more compassionate or maybe more realistic or understanding of that like like hell i mean i i can't think of anything off the top of my head but if i all of a sudden became like a big time streamer or youtuber or podcast or whatever probably within weeks someone would pull up a clip or a facebook post i made years ago or something awful 
and 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 I'm not perfect. Like I would never claim to be perfect. I think I've always been um, in the content I do and stuff like that. I always try to be very honest about like I'm not perfect. My opinions aren't always right. I'm as biased as anyone can be. Blah 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 blah. Um, but I also don't think anyone's putting me on a pedestal. <laughs> so I could be wrong. Maybe someone is, but. Yeah, so it's, it's a good question, but I think it's just kind of human nature, and I think it's okay. I just think that it would be smart for people to just realize that the people they see on these screens, uh, whether it's gaming or, or other fields or genres, and just realize that they're people who go home and fall asleep at night. They make mistakes. Um, they, they aren't perfect, even though we wish they were. So, yeah. Good questions. Again, if you have your own, join the Discord and the description of the podcast hit that link come in and ask your questions next week uh, we did have a poll this week i posted um it said are you interested in vr gaming this is kind of related to how facebook has announced that they're putting out like a 1600 vr headset um and uh how the ps vr2 is coming soon um the playstation vr2 and it was a resounding 83 percent no and 17 percent yes um VR is weird, man. And even the way I worded the question, I wouldn't be surprised if like 15% of the yeses of the 17 are people who are interested but don't have it. Um, it's just... <sighs> VR, I think, is just such a niche thing. And I don't... Like, I think like five or ten years ago, people thought like by now it would be like the norm. And I just... I, I don't think that there's been very few examples of compelling games being made on it. Um, like, like the, the half-life game, the Alex game was held pretty high. There's a few other games that are held in pretty high regard, but at this point there's still so few people doing it that there's no big devs who are really willing to go all in. And even like the PSVR system and the PSVR two that's coming out soon. It just, you know, like, like I, I'm sure it sells okay for VR systems, but I just don't think it's like the the answer that people were expecting yet. Um, and then you have like places like Facebook trying to make, trying to utilize it in like a workplace setting, and you know people trying to do the whole metaverse and all that crap. It's just trying to force a thing that I don't think anyone really wants yet, and um, I just don't see it taking off for a long time. I wouldn't be surprised if something more along the lines of like augmented reality will be the first time things get big, big with that whole sphere, but we'll have to wait and see. Okay. So for content updates, um, I do have a giveaway active for like $300 worth of mass effect stuff. If you go to my Twitter account at bond diesel or at the echo cast, uh, you should find the giveaway tweet, uh, in both of those accounts. All you need to do is follow the account, retweet that, uh, giveaway tweet um, and then if you want to you can make a comment about why you like Mass Effect uh, in the comments you can enter on both of the accounts uh, to double your chances uh, and I will pick from the people who satisfy those conditions on November 7th or in 7 day next month uh, the final bit here is uh, I put out two Mass Effect videos this week. Um, one, I talked about the Andromeda video. The other one was a true, like, full breakdown of that 2020 teaser trailer uh, from uh, a couple years ago at the, uh, the Game Awards. Um, so please go check those out and let me know what you think of my thoughts on them. 
in the coming week, um, I do have a few ideas, uh, like the Unreal 5 video I've been talking about. I want to get that done. And then um, I have a video I want to make from my uh, Mass Effect 1 Femshet playthrough where I went around and read the descriptions of all of the planets and picked out, I think, like 10 that were interesting that I really want to talk about. Um, and there's even some speculation about things that we could revisit in the next game uh, that I found. So very fun stuff, very exciting stuff. Uh, and that is where I'm going to start wrapping up the show. So uh, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment down below to help me out with the algorithm. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel. I am at Bond Diesel on Twitter. I'm also Bond Diesel on YouTube, Instagram, and over on Twitch. If you're interested in supporting the show, uh, please check out patreon.com slash Diesel. Or if you have Amazon Prime, go give me your sub over at twitch.tv slash Diesel. I thank you so, so much for listening to me talk for, I don't know, around 45 minutes here. Uh, I hope to see you again next week, and I would love your feedback on the show. That is all I have. So until next time. I'm gonna go get some more.